Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Dan and Joe Sports Show. As always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe. All right, Joe, we had a really interesting week of football last week. A lot of really close battles in the SEC that came down to some rough endings for, for the teams that we care about. Um, and then, you know, of course, you have the, the ultimate terrible week for Jimbo Fisher where he lost to somebody who literally gets paid 23 times less than him in Cadillac Williams. Um, but, Joe, the first thing, the game of the week last week, uh, you know, was Ole Miss and, and Alabama. Um, huge opportunity for Ole Miss. Uh, probably the best chance they've had to beat Alabama in probably five or six years. And it really looked like for most of the game, they were a team that, you know, could compete with them. And they had a great chance at the end of the game there uh, to win. And really, I kind of thought that the play calling at the end basically removed all chances they had of winning that game. Yeah, and you even go back to the first drive of the game, Lane Kiffin made the same mistake he made in 2021 by trying to go for the touchdown and not getting the points at that opportunity in the first quarter. And that really came back to Honol Miss because they could have just kicked a field goal on fourth down in the fourth quarter to send the game potentially into overtime. But I'm completely with you with the point about the play calling on the last drive. You know, I look at um, – we were talking about before the show how well Sean Judkins was running the football on that last drive in the fourth quarter, had like a 35-yard burst. Like, he got them to the red zone, and then you completely go away from handing him the football, and you try, what, like four straight pass plays. I think maybe Dart was sacked on one drop back, and to me that just didn't make any sense to suddenly change your strategy at that crucial point. No, yeah, I mean, it didn't because, I mean, Judkins, like, on that drive right there, gotten about 60 yards rushing on three carries, including one huge one. And it seemed like at that point he kind of had the Bama defense's number, at least at the point to where you had to prove that you could stop him before you went away from him. Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. And so I would much rather go out, you know, with my best shot, and I feel like they just did not go out taking their best shot there. Absolutely not. And, and you're right, Joe. I mean, I thought at the beginning of that game when they had that chance to take a three to nothing lead, which very reminiscent of last year, Lane Kiffin chose not to do that. It's like he just wants to beat his head into a wall expecting a different result. I mean, you know, it's uh, what he's done the last couple of years is the definition of insanity. You know, you keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. That's what it means. And I really was hoping that he would learn from his mistakes. So I've seen him a couple times this year kick field goals when maybe in the past he would have gone for it. And this was an obvious chance to get the lead when you're at home, get some momentum for your team. There's nothing wrong with taking a 3 to nothing lead. Not at all, Dan. It's almost like he coaches this game differently than other games because he wants to beat Saban so bad. And, you know, I think that was definitely something he's going to regret because the opportunity was right there. Like you said, you made a good point. This was the first time in five or six years that Ole Miss had looked this good against Alabama. And I came away watching the entire game, and I was like, this doesn't really feel like they're playing Alabama. This feels like they're just playing another really good team. And it just felt so winnable to me. And I came away feeling like it was a game of missed opportunities for Ole Miss. You had the crucial turnover by Evans at the end of the first half that led to a short field for Bama and a touchdown. That was a big miscue. But finally, I think just the big difference for Alabama was the play of Bryce Young as well. 
Yeah, I mean, of course, Bryce Young, yet again, when you needed him to make plays, did it. Um, and, Joe, I thought a decent story in this game was uh, how Jackson Dart played. I thought he played pretty good. He didn't make a whole lot of mistakes. But I also felt like, um, you know, he wasn't protected very well by the officials in this game. And that's something that I really kind of thought was disgraceful in a lot of ways. I mean, you have him get slammed on the ground twice by an Alabama player where it's just obvious after he had already been hit. And then you have one where, I mean, they call it the face mask penalty. But, I mean, I kind of thought that was something that you probably could have kicked the player out of the game for. They didn't do it. Yeah, and, you know, there's that inconsistency with uh, certain calls and also the penalty for certain calls. It just doesn't seem to often add up. No, it doesn't. I mean, in my mind, if you're going to kick a player out of a game for targeting, how are you not going to kick a player out of the game for basically almost breaking your neck? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't get that at all. You know, there, there's a lot of things they've got to change at some point this offseason. We've talked about ad nauseum, the players faking injuries. You, you definitely need a lot of wholesale changes. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if that changes the outcome of the game. It's just something that they really need to start being better when it comes to games with Alabama about protecting opposing quarterbacks. Because you're looking at this, you're looking at what happened to Jackson Dart. Quinn Ewers gets injured on a play that, you know, I mean, you can debate whether that's dirty or not. I think there's, you know, definitely the Alabama player was holding his arm in there in a way that made that possible for him to get injured there. And, you know, there's definitely a history there when Alabama plays quarterbacks of of the players getting injured. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Um, Joe, speaking of bad officiating, let's move over to the uh, Arkansas and LSU game. Um. Arkansas had just a great defensive game there. And, of course, you know, they got down to their third-string quarterback at the end of it. And, you know, I thought that it was a very good effort by their defense. They got denied at the end on maybe the worst first down I've ever seen a team get for LSU. I mean, the guy was a yard and a half short of it. I've never even seen Alabama get a spot like what that guy got at the end of the game that essentially, you know, sealed the game for LSU. Yeah, no, I, I remember that now. I, I, it kind of registered with me when you were talking about it. But, yeah, I, I definitely remember that now. And I thought that was uh, highly questionable. You know, didn't get that at all. At the end of the day, you know, it was uh, a game that was just, you know, horrific quarterback play in cold weather, 13-10. to 10, And Perkins Jr., you know, was the player of the game. But you definitely, you know, had a questionable call like that that did not allow Arkansas, you know, from being able to pull off the upset. Yeah, but Joe, switching over to the positive aspect of it, man, the way that LSU's defense played was incredible. And, of course, Perkins had his own flu game. I mean, the guy that flew before the game got, what, four sacks, couple forced fumbles, and I think he calls an interception at the end of the game, too. And what was funny is apparently Brian Kelly told Perkins after the game, this is your MJ flu game, and Perkins goes, who's MJ? <laughs> Yeah, he wouldn't have been alive, I guess, for uh, maybe even the entirety of Michael Jordan's career. If he I think it would be the entirety of his career, yeah. Yeah, he might have been, bo- been born after he was playing with the Wizards. It's crazy so, to think about, isn't it? I know Quinshawn Judkins was born, I think, like fall of 03, so that was after Jordan retired. So, yeah, I mean, just, you know, all these guys, all they know is LeBron and, and Durant. But, yeah, I mean, just a, a great effort, Herculean effort by Perkins Jr., 
and you know you just kind of feel like he's kind of like the next maybe like Will Anderson is getting all the hype the next couple of years. Yeah, I definitely think that Perkins is going to be someone that could fill that void of, of Will Anderson and just a really exciting player. And, you know, transitioning to the next game that we're talking about, um, you know, Perkins was a guy that was going to Texas A&M until the very end when he got flipped by Brian Kelly. Mm-hmm. That's true. That, that definitely made a, a significant, you know, wavelength for LSU. That's right, Joe. Um but before we go to that game, I do want to mention about Sam Pittman. This was a game where all the conditions favored Arkansas. It was frigid. It had been snowing out there. There were ice on the goalposts. The LSU offense was terrible in that game. Absolutely pathetic. Um, and yes, I know that Arkansas was playing with a second-string quarterback and then ultimately a third. If you watch that game, I mean, they, the Arkansas offense kind of did okay when the third string came in, but they were just completely in nets with the second string quarterback. And I got to say that, you know, taking a huge hit this year is not just Sam Petman, but definitely um, Kendall Browse. I think Kendall Browse has got to have some of the lowest stock of any offensive coordinator this year because Arkansas's offense has really gone downhill this year. They really have been, and it's been, it's been a problem you know, came in the year with a lot of hype, as you referenced. And you've also seen them, you know, not only lose games like this at home, but on the road, I feel like when they're playing ranked opponents on the road, their offense really struggles, and a lot of times they're not in games. Yeah, I mean, think about Mississippi State. I mean, they weren't even competitive in that game, and it was the same kind of offensive output. And you looked at – if you watched that LSU game, which I did the entire time – Arkansas got the ball because of LSU mistakes inside the LSU 34 times and got three points off of it. That's awful. Mm -hmm. No, it it is. It is. And, you know, to your point, the game was setting up perfectly for the Razorbacks. Um, It looks like Ole Miss was going to get a gift there. And, you know, unfortunately, they just were not able to capitalize Arkansas. That's right. All right. uh, You know, moving down to A&M. you know, of course, they missed out on getting Perkins with their their awesome number one recruiting class, with the greatest class ever. That was probably the one kid from Texas they didn't get that they wanted. Well, Joe, this was the outcome they couldn't have possibly expected coming into the way the season worked. I mean, Auburn was a lost team just a few weeks ago. You know, they looked like they had zero effort left. They were just getting beat up by a bad Arkansas team now that we've seen that. Um you know, they, of course, had their awful efforts against Penn State and Georgia, and it was it was looking like a rough season. Of course, they fired Harson and they go out and they almost beat Mississippi State in a really exciting environment, a really exciting game that goes into overtime. Well, Joe, they take on this A&M team who's lost five games in a row. It was the first time that you'd ever seen Auburn and A&M play each other with five losses. I mean, who would have thought you could possibly see that? Then the atmosphere at Auburn, Felt like it was a game between two really good teams, though. It was really interesting, like seeing how excited people were to have Cadillac's first game in Jordan Hare. And then what was amazing to me about it is just how bad both teams ended up being if you watch that game, because Auburn's defense played just out of their minds to keep holding Texas AM back. I think in the third quarter, Texas AM had negative four yards of total offense. And Ultimately, even with all these defensive stops, Auburn can only muster 13 points. But, I mean, 
how can you possibly, you know, justify what what's going on with AM right now when Jimbo Fisher's this offensive guru and they can only muster one offensive touchdown against what's mostly been a poor Auburn defense this year? Right, right. This is one of those situations where I, I remember there's a quote from Bill Parcells years ago in the NFL, and he said that you are what your record says you are. But I've always personally felt like despite the record, there's something to be said about quality performance and style points. And when I look at A&M, it's not just the record, it's the performance, and it's the quality or lack thereof. In so many games this year, I just have not seen them rise to the opportunity in their offense. To me, it's just not shown a lot of promise with very few exceptions. Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought they played pretty good in the fourth quarter of the Ole Miss game. Uh, they didn't play very good against Alabama. I mean, I really, like, I'm trying to think maybe the best offensive performance they had would have been the fourth quarter of the Ole Miss game if you look at the entire season. And this had to have been the low point, I think, of, of A&M season, losing to an interim coach and one who had not just no head coaching experience but no coordinator experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, de- definitely, you know, uh, the trying times for them at this point. But, you know, on the positive side of it, uh, really great, uh, you know, audition for uh, any kind of head coaching job by Cadillac Williams. You looked at the way the players reacted to him, the energy that he had, and the way that the fans reacted to him. I mean, that looks like an Auburn crowd that would be there for a good Auburn team, not one that is maybe not going to make a ball game. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you definitely got the enthusiasm, and I think, you know, he's definitely got um, the players uh, reinvigorated. Yeah, for sure. And I think he's giving he's at least giving Auburn administrators something to think about for his head coaching candidacy. No, absolutely. Um, Joe, you know, looking at, at uh, elsewhere, TCU, I was talking about Auburn's defense. TCU's defense did incredible in limiting Yvonne Robinson to only 34 yards and holding, uh, you know, Sark's Texas team down to 10 points. And I think that until the third quarter, they didn't even cross the 50-yard line. You know, everyone was talking about how great TCU's offense was, but their defense was a liability. Well, TCU's defense put the team on their back and won that game in Austin. No, they, they really did, Dan. And I think that when you look at being able to, you know, not only just win the game, but to do it, you know, college game day atmosphere, road game at night at Texas, you know, the big boys in your conference historically, you know, to me that just says a lot because I think that that was a game that could easily have been one that a lot of ranked teams would have lost. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was definitely setting up for it. And really nobody was giving them much of a chance to win that game. Mm-hmm. And, Joe, you know, something that did happen that was predictable in a loss was the Pac-12 being the Pac-12. And, you know, they going into last weekend, they had three teams that had a outside chance of making the college football playoff. Oregon, UCLA, and USC. USC played a joke of a team in Colorado, and they won, no surprise. But uh, Oregon, you know, played Washington, who kind of had an up-and-down season. They were really hot to begin the year, had a lull in the middle of the year, been coming on a little bit lately, and lost in what's, you know, considered to be a pretty good rivalry game between Oregon and Washington. And then UCLA, even more embarrassingly, lost to a bad Arizona team. And suddenly, here we are, and the Pac-12 has one chance left for a team to make the playoff, and it's only the Trojans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they just fall in fast, and it always seems to play out so similar. It's kind of like, you know, we're watching the same movie year in, year out, like a sequel for the Pac-12, unfortunately for them. And, you know, very concerned about 
the matchup with uh, UCLA because we've seen USC in years past lose that game. Yeah, we have. Uh, and I think that, yeah, maybe we'll see when we get to uh, – we start doing the prediction show what happens there. Um, Joe, we've gone from embarrassing A&M losing to an interim coach – UCLA losing to Arizona, but let's get to the most embarrassing thing, and that's Kentucky at home losing to Vanderbilt and getting Vanderbilt their first SEC win in three years. Yeah, I mean, you know, you said it right there. That's the total summation. Um, Yeah, I just, with Vanderbilt, did not think they were going to win an SEC game this year, especially to do it against a Kentucky team that came into the year with a lot of hype. At one point this year, what they were in a top 10 team when they played at Ole Miss, I think as high as seven or eight in the rankings. And, you know, to fall flat and lose to Vanderbilt a week before you're going to play Georgia, just just not a good look at all for, for the program. Yeah, Joe, um, Kentucky, I mean, there were some people, I think Chris Doring's one of the ones that's on the SEC Network that predicted Kentucky to go 11-1 and one this year. Yeah. And now they've got four losses, looking at at least five, because I don't see them having any chance against Georgia, and maybe six, because Louisville is a very weird, streaky team that sometimes can beat good teams this year. They've shown it. So, uh, you know, it could be it could be a rough year in Lexington. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, unfortunate for them with so much promise they had. And then on the flip side, you know, if you're um, Vanderbilt, suddenly, you know, Clark Lee has a little momentum, and, you know, he's – really, I think, kind of kept the players motivated, but now they actually have, you know, a, a real reason to celebrate. That's right, they do. I mean, uh, you know, I think you've seen throughout the year that Vanderbilt had some signs. They were getting better. They played, you know, Ole Miss really tight for about three quarters. They beat up on Hawaii when they had that window at the beginning of the year. Um, they hadn't beat anybody yet. Uh, I think they were close to beating Missouri. I think they were within one score. And, you know, you knew they were due to beat somebody, but I didn't think it was going to be Kentucky. It's one of those things where if you're any other SEC team, you didn't want it to be you that was the team that they ended the streak against. That's right. And even worse for it to happen in Lexington at home. And, Joe, i got to ask you, I mean, Mark Stoops has been someone that's everyone's lauded the job he did at Kentucky, and very deservedly so. But the question is, is he he and uh, and Cam- Matt Campbell from Iowa State, they were guys that I feel like for a period of three or four years – had an opportunity to get any kind of job they wanted to. I think Matt Campbell is someone that he could have had, you know, any any number of jobs. I think in particular, Mark Stoops probably could have had the Oklahoma job if he wanted it, uh, especially with a connection with with Bob there, who kind of gets what he wants. Have their have their stars like gone off the place and gone so far off the rails now that they can't leave and take a better job now? It seems that way, Dan. You could also throw Pat Fitzgerald into the conversation at Northwestern. You know, people that just waited too long. And, you know, just a year ago, Mark Stoops, like less than a year ago, a few months ago, he would have been such a hot coaching commodity. And, it, you know, my, how things have changed so quickly. And it just kind of shows you you've got to go quickly if you ever want to move up in the, co- in the coaching ranks. That's right, Jeff. Uh, and the last one I want to talk about is that is, you know, Hugh Freeze has this incredible win against Arkansas where it's almost like an audition for the Auburn job. And he follows it up just like Ole Miss fans are very familiar with from his tenure there with losing an embarrassing game to UConn, which, you know, is a program that almost hung up the shingles and ended its program about a year or two ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was definitely a, a disappointing loss for him. 
you know, we'll see kind of where things go. You know, I, I still think he's got a chance to get a job, but, you know, we'll just kind of see how things go with uh, Lane Kiffin and, uh, and other candidates. That's right, Joe. And we'll talk a little bit more about the Auburn coaching search uh, when we come back for our next episode in a minute. I want to thank all of our listeners. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. You can uh, like us on Facebook. You can also uh, tune in to our YouTube channel. Uh, the, follow the Dan and Joe Sports Show YouTube channel and subscribe to it. And you can listen to all of our episodes on Spotify. And as always, I'm Dan. And I'm Joe.